Jackson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Now, obviously, it's all relative, right? But I'd like to think that Wisconsin sports fans, for many teams, not just the Packers, but the Brewers, the Badgers, the Bucks, we've had our hope broken uh, in some tough ways. We've been close a lot in the last five or six years, and and I think um, I've gotten really reluctant to get my hopes up, to open myself up, right? Well, I've decided that I am ready to get hurt again, and I invite you to do so. Open your heart, open your mind. And, uh, and open yourself up to be hurt once again by this Green Bay Packers team. That's what we're talking today on the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Packers playoff chances. I know I said I wasn't going to go here. I said I wasn't going to do it. Uh, but but we have to, right? It's just we're, I'm looking at the scenarios. I'm looking at everything. We got to do it. We have to. 608-796-2558. If you want to talk about the playoff chances for your Green Bay Packers, you can do so on the five-star telecom talk and text line. Oh, we have a, a, a statement, a quote from Aaron Rodgers that I was trying to play to open the show. We got David Scrady talking to me. We got a bunch of stuff going on here today on WKTY. So I'll just get you to that uh, here in a minute or so. We can hear what number 12 had to say, uh, because I think the media is still trying to find that catchphrase, trying to find that, uh, those words of wisdom, those motivational words that, uh, that finally get the ball rolling. And he had something to say in his locker room interview yesterday. So I'll share that with you. I'll be at a couple minutes late uh, from what I had intended I'm ready to get hurt again. Even if the Packers don't make the playoffs, I feel like we got to open ourselves up. We got to be fans. Uh, and if anybody, I'm going to, I'm going to lay this down now. If anybody calls or texts in on the five star telecom talking text line and brings the, uh, the playoffs, the playoff, you got to win a damn game talking about playoff. Just don't. I, I don't. Yes. It's a long shot. I understand that. Yes. The Packers have yet to win on the road. That's fine. But the rest of the NFC is falling apart outside of, uh, two or three teams at the top. So don't treat it like it's a dumb conversation and don't, don't, subject people and don't lower yourself to to mocking the the playoffs just just don't do it that's that's not low-hanging fruit that's fruit that has fallen onto the ground and gotten moldy and gross no one wants that no one wants that humor today so don't bring me the playoffs don't bring it on the five-star telecom talking text line i don't want to hear about it uh quick we'll get to these scenarios and what exactly needs to happen for the green and gold to maybe sneak in as a number six seed as a wild card you can also share your thoughts on twitter at keystroker grant or at WKTY, you can do so on both accounts. So the Packers, the playoff chances, well, let's start with the words of Aaron Rodgers, first of all. Let's put this into context. So Aaron Rodgers, in his locker room interview yesterday, was asked about the playoff chances and how high they are, and if he's paying attention, you know, how much stock he's putting into it. So here's what the quarterback had to say. Aaron, you're obviously a guy that likes to know what's going on. Do you pay attention to the playoff probabilities? I mean, I know they're not astronomical at this point, but they did go up. From what? Oh, I don't know. One to, one to four? Or two to nine or so? Right up to nine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Fantastic. I do know. I mean, of course. Look, I'm competitive. I'm a competitor. I know what's going on. I, you know, I, I'm aware of what the scores are. There's been a number of games that have needed to go our way, and they have all gone our way. So hopefully that continues, and uh, we find a way to win out and see what happens. The, the, the possibilities are getting better. 
And I know Packer fans, you don't really want to talk about it. You don't want to open yourself up to being disappointed. And I get that. I don't really either. But it's time. I'm ready. And the the playoff scenario is, as I'm sure you've seen before last week, and as we get closer to the Chicago game coming up on Sunday, I feel a little bit more comfortable talking about this just because we know we know more, right? Two or three weeks ago, talking about playoff possibilities, there was just so much yet to happen. Well, we're closing in on three games left in the regular season. And this last week, I thought we got a really good look at some other teams around the NFC to maybe... Put this into context a little bit. We saw the Minnesota Vikings struggle, albeit in a tough environment. Yes, I I get that. But we saw the Minnesota Vikings struggle. They fired their offensive coordinator. They're having some issues on offense. There is some context. We saw Carolina continue to implode against the Browns, who I'm not saying are an awful team, but Carolina started out so well. That defense looked so good. Cam looked so good under North Turner, and now they have just seemingly hit rock bottom. So there's a little bit of context, and Washington is just, well, Washington. They're awful. So we've gotten a little context. We've gotten a little more information over the past couple of weeks, and now I think it's finally fair, although the playoff odds are slim, to look at the scenarios because the percentages, I believe, as of yesterday were at like 9% for the Packers to squeak in as a wild card, about 9%. But when you look at the actual scenarios, it doesn't seem like it should be that low. Now, obviously, Vegas and the people who are making the stats uh, put a lot more time and effort into just simply looking at the games and saying, oh, it's about 9%. But here we go. Let's go through them. So the Packers first need to win out. That's uh, that's the the basis for all this uh, that is built on. And they need one loss from these three teams. Okay, the Panthers, who sit at 6-7, and seven, need the Panthers to lose once. You need the Eagles to lose once. They currently sit at 6-7 and seven as well. And Washington, who sits at 6-7, and seven, they need... All three of those teams to lose at least one game. They also need to lose the uh, the Vikings to lose two of their remaining three. And, or the Seahawks to lose out. Lose three in a row. So let's take a look at a little bit of the schedule because that helps paint a picture. It's not just about losing one game. You try to find spots in the upcoming schedule for these teams. Well, where maybe where they could get that loss, right? Well, the Panthers have the Saints, the Falcons, and the Saints. Now, especially with the, the way that the Panthers have been playing, you like your odds for not only the Saints to win one of those games, maybe, I don't know, Carolina might lose out. They might not win a game. They might not win a game again. Who knows? Two against the Saints, two against the Falcons. You like your odds there. The Eagles have to play the Rams and the Texans, who, discounting the last week, were two of the hottest teams in the NFC, or I should say in their conferences. The Texans in the AFC had won eight in a row, and they play Washington. Once again, you like your odds of where they're going to lose a game somewhere in there, the 6-7 and seven Eagles. Now you look at Washington, they have the Jaguars, the Titans, and the Eagles. Like I said, Washington has just been that bad. They might not win again. I, I don't put a whole lot of stock into who they're playing. I think the Jags might get them. Titans might get them. The Eagles could get them. I mean, they could lose any or all of those games. The question becomes now, do you trust the Vikings to lose two of three or the Seahawks to lose three of three? Now the Seahawks have the Niners, the Chiefs, and the Cardinals. I don't think they're going to lose all three of those. They might win all three, to be honest. I think the Niners and the Cardinals are both easy win games for the Seahawks. The Chiefs, that's one thing, but one loss isn't going to help the Packers. The Vikings, on the other hand, are a little bit more interesting. 6-6-1, they have to lose two of these three games between the Dolphins, the Lions, and the Bears. That's where the hang-up is for me, especially what we see uh, now that John Filippo is out and their offensive coordinating staff gets a bit of a shuffle What's going to happen with the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins and that offense especially? The defense has had some dud games here and there, don't get me wrong, but they're the much more consistent unit, the much uh, more trustworthy unit for me. So where do the Vikings get two losses? I think Panthers, Eagles, and Washington, I think you can all find a loss in there somewhere. One team might get hot, you never know. That's why the odds are so low. But it's it's plausible in every situation. Now, looking at all these games and looking at all the scenarios for the Green Bay Packers, and their conference mates in the NFC, and what needs to happen, it all comes down to one thing. 
one th- and I'm and I'm I'm not being dramatic, I'm not exaggerating. It comes down to one thing. And one thing only. And we're going to talk about that coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. It, this is really simple. It's it's basically put up or shut up time for the Green Bay Packers. And it comes down to this one thing uh that's coming up very quickly. We'll talk about that Coming up next year on the Wisco Sports Show, we got to talk to David Scrady. Uh, don't go anywhere. More to come on the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're having a good evening. 608-796-2558. If you want to get involved, we're talking about the Packers' playoff chances, however slim they might be. This is what sports is about, right? We're having fun. We're playing the hypotheticals. We're asking what if. You don't just need to be Debbie Downers. Don't just need to be saying, oh, the Packers stink. They're not going to make it. Well, then why are we watching? Why are we listening to WKTY right now? Let's have a little bit of fun with it. The scenario, while it sits at about 10% likelihood, looks a little bit more likely than you might guess. Just need one loss from the Panthers, one from the Eagles, and one from Washington. Panthers got two with the Saints, one with the Falcons. The Eagles got the Rams and the Texans and Washington. And Washington has the Jags, the Titans, and the Eagles. So even if the Eagles somehow miraculously beat the Rams and the Texans, and Washington miraculously beat the Jags and the Titans, they play each other in Week 17 anyway. So one of those two teams is getting eliminated. And then the Panthers... Got to play the Saints twice. So you like your chances there. What's a little bit more worrisome, do you trust the Vikings to win two out of three? Because that's what they would need to do. The Vikings need to lose two out of three to the Miami Dolphins, the Detroit Lions, and the Chicago Bears. That's tough, and I think as we move on with the Vikings, we're going to learn more. Obviously, new offensive coordinator. Might be some new wrinkles and newly a new look offense. Does that galvanize the team or does that splinter it apart? We're going to learn more about the Vikings in a hurry over these next couple of weeks after some some quick changes after Monday Night Football. But really, all of that goes out the window. None of that matters because it all comes down to the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field on Sunday. It's, it's the only thing that matters because the Packers, as bad as they have been this year, and they are in a good situation right now, somehow alive in the playoff race, needing a little bit of help, not out of the question. It's possible. They still haven't won a game on the road. They couldn't beat the Cardinals at home. So before we start talking about the playoffs, as in, could the Packers get hot and go on a run in the playoffs? Well, they're going to beat the Bears this weekend. You haven't won on the road yet, including losses in Washington to a team who looks like garbage now. Lost in Detroit. You had it against the Rams. You had a shot against the Patriots. You had a great shot against the Seahawks. Let all those go by the wayside. He's got to win one game on the road. It's pretty miraculous that the Packers are even in this situation. And it all comes down to one thing, and that's the Chicago Bears game on Sunday, which is at noon. We're going to have family Christmas on uh, on Sunday. Get to go up to the city, see my family, which is just wonderful, right? Because that's, uh, that's the one thing a family gathering needs is an incredibly st- stressful Packer game to either get everyone really hyped and really energetic or just kill the mood of the entire weekend and the entire holiday. <laughs> Packer games and family gatherings, especially during the holidays, you never know what you're going to get. Packers-Bears, noon on Sunday, and of course you can hear that uh, on WKTY. The pregame will get underway at 10, and the postgame will go all the way till about 6 o'clock, so you can just sit down and soak it all in on WKTY on Saturday. It all comes down to the Packers-Bears game, and there have been some words exchanged. You saw Akeem Hicks taking a little bit of exception to the Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers saying, well, go down to Chicago, a place where we've won many times, and and." That perked up the ears of, of Akeem Hicks and probably a couple other Bears players saying this is different Bears team, different coach, different regime, different quarterback. 
It's a different unit altogether. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers talked about today, and we'll hearing we'll hear that coming up here in about ten minutes. Talked about why that's a place that they've won, and talked about what kind of place it is to play, and maybe why they've had success there over the last couple of years. But I think mostly in part to the Bears just haven't been very good. I don't know if it's some special recipe or some special concoction that the Badgers have or the Packers have, excuse me, to be able to beat the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field as I think they have seven or eight in a row. I don't think it's any special recipe. I just think the Bears have not been good. <laughs> is that is that too simplistic of a of a of an explanation? I mean Trubisky is the first thing that I I think they've had at a real quarterback, even if it's just for glimpses and pieces of games since Jay Cutler, who is also just pieces and glimpses of games back when Jay Cutler had Alshon Jeffrey and and Martellus Bennett and Brandon Marshall when they were all at the height of their powers and Matt Forte who was a dual threat out of the backfield and Brian Urlacher roaming the 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 defensive side of the football that was the last good Bears team I can remember now they've had good games they've beaten the Packers don't get me wrong I'm not trying to take a dump on the Bears franchise but they have not been consistently good and the Packers more or less have been consistently good now the Packers have won some games that I think they should have lost against the Bears, like the uh, Week 17 game in 2013 when Randall Cobb somehow just ran right by Chris Conti uh, to score the game-winning touchdown, which sent them to the playoffs as well. You can talk about Week 1 this year, although that wasn't at Soldier Field. Down, what was it, 21-0, 21-3. Came all the way back in the second half off on a gimpy Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, the Packers have probably stolen some games and won some games that they had no business winning. That being said, the Packers have just been able to beat the Bears. I think that's mostly in part to the fact the Bears haven't been very good. So this Sunday is going to be incredibly telling. The Packers, whereas I think the Falcons game on Sunday was probably the closest they came to putting together a complete four quarters of football on all three sides of the ball. There were still mistakes that were made, still opportunities that were squandered by the Falcons, and I'm not taking anything away from the Packers and what they were able to do. A lot of times, when you win an NFL game, you can point to mistakes made by the other team. The fact is, though, this year, the Green Bay Packers have been the team making the mistakes. You look at the Rams. The fumble on the kickoff return, the squandered opportunities uh, on offense in the first half where they just drug their feet and, and did not bust that game wide open. Same with the Seahawks. Made mistakes down the line, were awful on third down. Look at the Patriots game. The fumble from Aaron Jones, awful on offense for most of the second half, even though your defense gave you a great shot. The, the Packers have found ways to lose games. Shooting themselves in the foot, penalties. Oh, don't even get me started on the special teams penalties. I don't have enough time. Uh, before 6 o'clock to talk about all the special teams penalties. The Packers have found ways to lose games. Likewise, the Bears, for the most part, have found ways to win games, even games that they had no business losing. Mitch Jabriski had a 33 quarterback rating on Monday, or Sunday night, excuse me, a 33, and his team won the game. They find ways to win, whether that's through defense, through special teams, through flashes of brilliance on offense, Consistent or inconsistent, doesn't matter. They found ways to win games. And these two teams are trending in different directions. They're having issues. Like I said, one team is finding ways to lose games. The other is finding ways to win games. And as a side note, I think what's cooking up in that Chicago Bears locker room right now is you see some videos and and Instagram things from after the game last weekend. There's something special cooking there. And I think we saw a little bit of that with the Brewers, right? Sometimes they just, they have that juice. They have that vibe. And I think the Bears have that right now. That being said, Packers have won eight straight at Soldier Field. Aaron Rodgers has played better against the Bears than any team in his career. And I think the Packers are trending in the right direction right now. Is it trending fast enough? Is it trending upward strong enough? I don't know. And I think most of the details of this game are going to be decided at the line of scrimmage, possibly on on both sides of the ball, but certainly when the Packers are on offense. Can that patchwork offensive line hold back the Chicago Bears? Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Leonard Floyd, who... 
I don't think he gets talked about enough. He's that, that man looks like a freak. Look at his arms. He looks like Giannis, except bigger. And they just got some really, really good players up front, which doesn't force Vic Fangio to blitz. Now, the Packers like who they have at left tackle in uh, in Brian Bulaga, obviously. And Lane Taylor looks like he's probably going to play. He took a big step in practice today, and we'll get to the injury report before the end of the show today as well. Corey Lindsley hasn't missed a snap all season, knock on wood. But then the right side of the offensive line is the question. Byron Bell going on injured reserve. Jason Spriggs is set to get the start. And maybe it bodes well that Jason Spriggs gets a full week to prepare. As he talked about in his interview yesterday, I was I was whipping through the uh, the Packers website, looking at the locker room interviews, trying to figure out, is there anything worthwhile sharing? What do I want to watch? How do I want to get ready for the show? And, and the caption, they interviewed Jason Spriggs. And the caption for the for the video that the Packers put on the website was, Jason Spriggs, ready to face Khalil Mack. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I laughed. I broke out laughing in the studio because Jason Spriggs, man, I love his enthusiasm. I, I do have a little bit of hope in me that now he, he's not coming in as a relief guy off of an injury. He has all week to prepare. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited about that. But ready to face Khalil Mack. Just those words on the screen. I broke out laughing in the studio and I'm like, oh my gosh, this game on Sunday could go one of two ways. <laughs> And that's definitely the bad way, and it's going to be on the heels of Jason Spriggs playing right tackle. And and Khalil Mack does move around. I don't expect it'll be one-on-one with Jason Spriggs the entire time, but he's going to have to go up against all sorts of different types of pass rushers. He's going to probably have to help on the inside with guys like Akeem Hicks and the bigger bodies they have in the middle. I just ready for Khalil Mack. Oh, my God. I laughed. I had to laugh. I listened to the interview, too. It didn't exactly make me feel good. Jason Spriggs, the guy who was drafted to replace Brian Bulaga. Ideally, Packers probably would have uh, moved on from Brian Bulaga this past offseason and shuffled in Jason Spriggs, a younger, uh, more springy, healthier, cheaper option. Unfortunately, Jason Spriggs has turned out to be a turd who they traded up to take in the second round. And now we're seeing that kind of rear its ugly head in this game. That's going to be the number one question. How does the Packers offensive line respond and adapt and play? against this really, really tough Bears defensive front. And we saw Vic Fangio give the Packers fits when he was in San Francisco. And we've seen it so far this year, although the Packers are 1-0 against Chicago. We've seen him do it this year. Because of the talent he has up front, much like he did in San Francisco, he doesn't have to blitz. He doesn't have to bring extra bodies. Now, he can. When he feels really good about it, he can dial something up. He can get creative. He can bring extra guys, but he hasn't needed to. His bodies up front can win their one-on-one battles, and that mostly starts with Khalil Mack. And Vic Fangio has given the Packers fits before. We'll see if that continues. And and we, Aaron Rodgers was asked, you know, what's the approach going to be? How might you adjust and, and how do you plan to face this Bears defense front? And his answer was pretty funny. We'll get to that Aaron Rodgers interview coming up next. And maybe he'll provide some much needed light on the situation on just how exactly Joe Philbin and the rest of this offensive coordinating staff is planning and is preparing to face this Bears defensive front and some of the studs they have. Jason Spriggs ready to ready to face Khalil Mack. That was the quote of the day. That was the joke of the day that I saw. He might be ready, but you know, somewhere Khalil Mack's just licking his chops, man. Just licking his chops. Packers Bears is what it's all going to come down to because I think the Packers, if they do beat the Bears, can go and beat Detroit, team they've beaten before, and and go and beat the the New York Jets, who might be starting Josh McCown still by then. Who knows? Uh, and it's all going to come down to Sunday. Share your thoughts if you feel so inclined on the Five Star Telecom talking text line 608-796-2558. You can also get involved on Twitter at Keystroker Grant at WKTY. A lot of options. Are you scared? Are you excited? Are you enthusiastic? Are you pessimistic? Share your thoughts. We're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers and some of his thoughts 
surrounding the Chicago Bears team in the upcoming matchup at Soldier Field this Sunday. So don't go anywhere. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, both at 96.7 FM and 580 AM. Don't forget, you can always stream live at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app. We're talking Packers, Bears, and the looming matchup between, well, it ain't your, uh, it ain't your every everyday run-of-the-mill Bears that we've seen the last eight or nine years where the Packers have had so much success at Soldier Field. And don't get me wrong, Bears fans, I, I still think there's a little bit of worry. I was talking to Ryan Giannone, who's been on this program, one of my good friends and and a colleague, I guess not a technical colleague, but works over at News 8. He's covered a couple Packers games, covered a, a couple Bears games today. Or this season, excuse me. And he's obviously worried. Bears fans have seen it so many times where Aaron Rodgers has just come out of nowhere and, of course, played his best ball against their team. So don't get me wrong. I'm I'm rolling with number 12. I'm rolling with Aaron Rodgers. But this isn't the same uh, Bears team. And this is not the same offensive line uh, going against the same Bears defensive line, which is the number one concern. 608-796-2558. If you want to get chimed in, or if you want to chime in, I should say, uh, you can do so and share your thoughts. Are you optimistic? Pessimistic? Uh, what are you? How are you feeling? I think there's a certain sense of excitement knowing that the Packers aren't out of it. And we've been talking about uh, playoff scenarios today and how it's not out of the picture. Maybe the most unrealistic part of the whole thing is the Packers actually winning a road game for the first time this year and doing so against a really good team who's leading the NFC North right now in Chicago. Uh, Aaron Rodgers talked about the Bears D and, and a couple of players and, and what they have going on right now. And I thought it was pretty interesting. This is from his interview yesterday. I want to hear a couple things from Aaron Rodgers regarding the upcoming matchup because I think it's really interesting and it provides some some thought and maybe a peek into how the Packers locker room is is, is approaching uh, what should be a pretty good game on Sunday. Yeah, they've got a great defense. They're, um, you know, top three or top in the league in a number of categories, turnovers, third downs, total defense, scoring defense, um, I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones I'm missing. But, yeah, I mean, they've, they've played great this year on defense, especially, and got to take care of the ball. And he he is right. They do lead in, in many more categories, and it's easy to forget uh, exactly how many they lead the league in. The Chicago Bears defense, top to bottom, is is just really, really good. And, and it's a really great example of, much like the Eagles last year when they did win the Super Bowl and, and uh, beat the Patriots, take care of things up front, win the battles in the trenches, and that covers up for a lot of... Uh, well, a lot of shortcomings on the back end, right? If you can put pressure on the quarterback and you can stop the run and you can win in the trenches up front without having to commit extra bodies, well, a so-so secondary or some mistake-prone players in the secondary, and I'm not here to dump on the Chicago Bears secondary. It's it's just fine. But their strength is up front, and because of that, it covers up for a lot of inadequacies around the field that they may have. You don't have to have a stud. It's unrealistic to have studs at every level and every position on your defense. Obviously, some players are going to be worse than others and, and less reliable than others. But if you take care of up front, you win those battles in the trenches and you can play smash mouth football just like the Eagles did last year and just like the 49ers did with Kaepernick and Vic Fangio years ago. Same kind of system now, obviously, same coordinator. Takes care of a lot of things. You don't need to have all pro cornerbacks on both sides. Maybe you don't need an Earl Thomas, Eric Berry safety. You can get away with a guy like they've had in the past, like Chris Conti, who Bears fans probably despise. I know my friends that are Bears fans do. But they can win up front. That's going to get you sacks. It's going to get you turnovers. The ball coming out maybe uh, on a poor release or on poor footing, which is going to make up for inadequacies or mistakes down the field for sure. 
Uh, Rodgers has had, like I said, I, I am comfortable and I, I am rolling with number 12 against the Bears. Why, why wouldn't you Packers fans? He's just showed time and time again. And I do think there's a large contingent of Bears fans that say, yeah, I know it's, this team's great. I know there's a new coach. I know it's a new year. But you just see flashbacks, right? You just you know what Aaron Rodgers has done to this team in the past, and he does talk a little bit about those special moments playing against the Bears franchise. Yeah, it's it's a it's a special moment in my career. Um, it is the Bears and the injury I was dealing with and the pain and twenty to nothing and coming back and winning that game. Um, seems a long time ago. Standing here in week uh, fifteen, um, but that was a good moment for us. Uh, it's a better moment when you parlay those into you know big time winning seasons and championship runs but uh, it was a special moment for sure it's been a cool season so far uh watching Aaron Rodgers because we remember I thought he was done for the year in week one and obviously they haven't won games but it's been interesting to follow along exactly the progression of that injury and, and I thought he was done for the year he got carted off he got his knee fall on by by Khalil Mack and some big bodies I mean I thought he was done Came back and winning that game was a footnote, but just following that story ever since then, and is he 100%? Is he not 100%? And, and how are they going to scheme and, and coordinate based on the availability and ability of Aaron Rodgers to move around in the pocket? He looked just about a fleet of foot as we have seen last week against the Falcons. I, I do think part of that is him getting older and having another season under his belt, but you never know how long that injury lingers. Aaron Rodgers, and this isn't a slight to him, well, maybe it is. Known to be a, a little bit of a drama queen. I think he likes to play that up. He likes to remind people, well, I'm playing on a bum knee. You know, you watch him. He might dog. He might limp it around the field a little bit. Between snaps. During the play, he's going to hang it out there. But between snaps, you know, a little gimpy. Just remind people, yeah, by the way, I'm not 100%. <laughs> I think it's a little bit funny. It would probably drive me up the wall if I was a, a fan of another team. So this is the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career he's played for another coach other than Mike McCarthy. And, and especially... In the middle of the season, like that's pretty crazy to have a coach change in the middle of the season. Reporters asked Aaron Rodgers exactly what that has been like and and maybe what we could see going forward because of a new interim head coach in place and a different play caller that Aaron Rodgers has had for the first time in his career. Yeah, it's different. You know, it's, it's a first. Uh, I think if you play long enough, you're around this league long enough, you see uh, experience a lot of different things for the first time. Obviously, you know, I was here in 05 when Mike got uh, fired. And it's, you know, weird situation, weird situation when it's midseason. Um, there's so many question marks, um, but we're just focusing on week 15 and playing for Joe and trying to give him the best opportunity moving forward. It is it is an interesting thing to think about because there are very few quarterbacks in the NFL who have played under one coach for their entire career. And obviously Belichick is an outlier. Rodgers is a little bit of an outlier. And then young quarterbacks as well. Drew Brees has been lucky uh, for the most part to have the same coach as well. But you look at guys like Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, uh, Matthew Stafford. Now, Mitch Trubisky already had a couple of coaches. Kirk Cousins has played in a couple different places, a couple different coaches. Jared Goff has already had two coaches in his young career. It's fa- it is fascinating to think that it is pretty wild that Aaron Rodgers had been a starting quarterback for that long with the same play caller and how that might affect changes moving forward and how quickly changes able to be implemented if that's what you know Smoke and Joe Philbin is looking to do in these short couple of weeks. If he's been waiting to put some things in and, and now is his chance, how fast is... Aaron Rodgers actually able to adapt because there's quarterbacks around the league who who play on the fly and deal with head coaches every year, every year, especially ones in situations and in organizations that are a little bit less stable. That's why I use Matt Stafford as a great example. They they aren't exactly the model of consistency when it comes to coaching hires. They rotate coordinators through quite a bit, rotate coaches through quite a bit, and Matt Stafford is probably a little bit more accustomed to adjusting on the fly. 
than Aaron Rodgers. It's just something interesting to keep in mind. I, I find myself actually a little bit, and I, I'm not amazed, I'm not blown away, but it, it's something that I don't think I've thought about enough, is Rodgers actually playing for the first time with a new play caller, because that is so rare. Like I said, Breeze, Brady, a couple others around the league who have been that lucky and have been lucky enough to to be in a stable organization that keeps things you know, for the most part, consistent. And I don't think that can be that can be undervalued and understated. Uh, a, a really good question that was asked, uh, I believe, uh, his name is Bill. I don't know what his last name is. You, you'll hear sound bites of Rogers and McCarthy answering to Bill of Packer Report. He works for CBS. Um, I don't know his last name, like I said. On the Bill Michaels Show, drops, you know, thank you, Bill. You know, excuse me, Bill. And, and that's just content for Joe Zanzola. That's the last thing he needs. That's like crack to that guy. Asked, what's it going to be like because... In game one, the game plan in the second half, especially with the bum knee, was to get the ball out quick, line up in the pistol, and to not really sit in the pocket, not to go through many reads, just have quick releases constantly. And he said the Bears are probably going to be ready for that, especially with a patchwork offensive line now. How do you counter that? Because the Bears, you figure, will be ready for those quick releases, and they'll adjust accordingly. What do you do to counter the counter from the Chicago Bears? Obviously, you guys had a lot of success in the first game by going quick. I would assume that maybe Chicago will plan accordingly. So what is the counter to that? Just slow way down. <laughs> That's the counter. Uh, I'm not going to tell you, Bill. Come on. Well, I mean, is there something generic that you can give us? If, if they do this, yeah, they that's go a, to that. Just slow way down. <laughs> I'll play for the Sunday. I'm as slow as Yeah, yeah. We'll take you. Aaron, you're obviously a guy that likes to know. Yeah, and I, and I hear I hear that. I'm not going to tell you, Bill, and I just think of Joe Zanzola. Guest on this show has been on David Scrady's show in the morning, obviously. Producer of the Bill Michaels Show. Hopefully we get to talk to him next week. Just hearing that and brrr, type it up on his keyboard. Got to save that. Yep, got to use that in the show. I'm not going to tell you, Bill. Just think it's funny. I don't know how much content there is in that answer, but I think it's a good uh, a good use of humor to just kind of scoot by a maybe a difficult question. You don't want to talk about game plan. You don't want to talk about strategy. But it is something to note that I think the Packers game plan coming into this game is, is pretty obvious to all. Get the ball out quickly. Don't let Aaron Rodgers stand too long in the pocket and probably use Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones in conjunction with some tight ends to assist guys like Jason Spriggs. And, and David Bakhtiari, he might need help over the course of this game, too. We don't act like him keeping Aaron Rodgers clean is a foregone conclusion. He's prone to a bad game just like anybody else. And the Chicago Bears expect that. Like, that's that's pretty reasonable and pretty expected adjustments to bring into this game. So what do the Packers do? I doubt they're going to slow it way down like Aaron Rodgers joked. But maybe a little bit. Maybe try to catch him off guard. Some longer developing stuff. Maybe you can catch the Bears asleep. I don't know. One more thing that Aaron Rodgers talked about that I thought was fascinating because it's something I've been talking about all season long. He said, look, Aaron, we, we you have talent on this team. You have talent on this roster. You got some good players. Do you think that you're close? Do you think you're talented enough and you're underperforming? Like, what is the situation in, in terms of talent in the locker room to the win stacking up? Because I, I think they've underperformed. I think some people have thought they've underperformed. Some people have said, look, Ted Thompson didn't give them anything to work with. And I think that's a bunch of crap. I do think there are some really good young players on this team. Now, that does make him a Super Bowl contender, but that makes him more competent than they've played. This is uh, Aaron Rodgers' thoughts on that. Yeah, I just don't think we're that far off. I, re- I really do. Um, you know, we actually we have had some some injuries to some tough spots. Obviously, Rams been out a bunch, and Geronimo, and guys we expected to play bigger roles for us. Um, Muhammad, you know, who started off and had a good start to the season, has obviously been, been out for us. So we've Jake Ryan, who was a you know expected starter, has been out. So we've dealt with uh, a lot of a lot of stuff. But um, I like the nucleus of the squad, and I think there's uh, some bright bright days in the future. I do. You forget Kenny Clark is 23. 
Jair Alexander is 21. They do have a, a good group of young players. Now, that doesn't mean Super Bowls. Good young players doesn't mean Super Bowls, but it means competence, and the Packers at times have looked far from competent in this season so far. And I do think they have the talent to get it done with a good game plan and good execution to hang in there and then maybe win this game in Chicago on Saturday, which is the first domino that's going to have to fall. Forget the playoff scenarios. Forget the Eagles or, or Washington or, or the Vikings or Carolina. It doesn't matter because if the Packers can't win on the road for the first time all year on Sunday, it, it doesn't matter, and that's what it's going to come down to. And inside that locker room, they shouldn't be talking about anything else, uh, to be quite frank. So when we come back, we are going to talk about something else. We're going to talk a little bit of college football because some headlines being made by Wisconsin's Barry Alvarez in these discussions in college football brass about the playoff system. I actually disagree with Barry Alvarez. I don't really like the stance that he takes, and I think it's a little bit unreasonable what he's asking and what he's talking about in the college football picture. So we're going to talk about that to wrap up the show. Uh, don't forget, you can join the conversation. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line, is always open, and everybody loves a good college football debate, especially about the college football playoff, because that's what's so fun, right? That's the fun part about it being a committee who's deciding because we can debate. We can try to hypothesize and conjecturize. I don't think that's a word. What they're going to do. And that's why it's so fun. So join in on the conversation. If you would be so kind, coming up next year on the Wisco Sports Show. Final segment on the way here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, and uh, I did promise it, so we will run through the injury report. If you're just joining us, don't forget you can always check out the Wisco Sports Show in podcast form to listen to however and wherever you want at WKTYsports.com. Just click on the podcast tab, and you can check out all our local shows and listen to them however, wherever you want. Super simple, so if you want to go back and check out some Packers talk that you missed, uh, you should very well do so. Uh, one thing that you missed was apparently Jason Spriggs, as I tweeted out, is ready to face Khalil Mack on Sunday. <laughs> Words that I I'm actually laughing. Like sometimes on air, especially when I'm over on Z93, nobody nobody tell anybody this. You know, you'll force a laugh. You'll try to sound uh, like you're entertained on air. I, I think that's hilarious. I think that's the best joke I've heard all day. Jason Spriggs ready to take on Khalil Mack, mostly due to injury. So let's talk about uh, the Packers injury report. Bashad Breeland looks like he's going to miss the game for personal reasons. He did not participate today. Brian Bulaga didn't as well with a knee. Kenny Clark with an elbow did not participate. Randall Cobb, full participation. Jimmy Graham limited uh, with that thumb, but he's also got a knee showing up. So I guess we'll see which is which. Is he limited because of the thumb or because of the knee? Clay Matthews was limited. Aaron Rodgers was a full. St. Brown was a full. And Lane Taylor was a full participant today after being limited yesterday. So that's why I said Lane Taylor taking good steps uh, towards playing on Sunday and, and, well, improving that offensive line and especially that left side of the offensive line, which really isn't the concern, if I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, and we will talk more about the Packers-Bears tomorrow, same time, same place here on WKTY to wrap up the week on the Wisco Sports Show. So don't worry, we'll have plenty of Bears talk, uh, Packers-Bears talk and, and matchup talk to come. A little bit of a preview tomorrow as well. Before we scoot out the door, I did want to talk about college football a little bit. It's been a while. We had Zach Heilprin on, what was it, last week, two weeks ago, to, to kind of put a put a wrap on the Badgers' regular season, which was frustrating, and, and now, obviously, they've been named to the Pinstripe Bowl, which is one of the, the suspected bowls that Zach talked about from the zone in Madison, and, and we will continue to talk about that as it gets closer, but right now, the story was Wisconsin Barry Alvarez and others on the college football board are advocating for an expanded playoff system, and he had some interesting quotes. I 
this is a, this is a discussion every year and is going to be a discussion every year until it happens or until they go to a new format in some way, whether they, they put in all the conference champions or, or they have whatever. If they decide to change it up, then obviously the narrative will change. But until they either expand or change to a completely different format, this is going to be a discussion year in and year out. And, and Barry Alvarez said as much. He's advocating for expansion here. He said everyone has the same feeling. Expansion is inevitable when you can do it. And I think we need to serve more people. I think four was the right way to get started. In my opinion, we need to take a look at adding more teams into the playoff, giving more opportunities. I don't like this. I don't agree with Barry Alvarez. I'm, I, I don't like the thought of expansion. Even though I'm a Wisconsin fan, I'm a Big Ten fan too. I obviously am going to cheer for all the Big Ten teams. And I don't like this. He continued by saying, I don't know whether we're serving all of our people now. When you have some leagues, our league as an example, of course, two years in a row, we don't have anyone represented. The Big 12's been the same way. The Pac-12's been the same way. Well, actually, the Big 12's been fine. Oklahoma's been in the last two years now, and that hasn't changed this year. Uh, But the the Pac-12 just hasn't been that great. Uh, Oregon kind of crashed down from power that they had, you know, seven or eight years ago, and they've kind of come back down to earth. And USC without Sam Darnold was a whole lot of nothing with Clay Helton. UCLA might be on the come up with Chip Kelly, but right now they're a whole lot of nothing. And Washington's a good program, a good team, but not playoff worthy. So this is the the question that is begged to be asked, right? Do you expand to six teams? Do you expand to eight? I think expanding to six and giving two teams a first round bye makes a lot of sense if you're going to do it, but I hate it. And it starts with, okay, let's talk about college football as a product, right? Because the whole idea of expanding or keeping or even shrinking, if people want that, the college football playoff is to make the product better, to give the fans a better experience, right? That's the whole idea. If it was worse for the product, if it was worse for ratings, worse for fans, they wouldn't do it. So we're all on the same page there. The idea that expanding the, the, the playoff would make a more compelling product in December and January might be true. People might be more intrigued to tune into the Rose Bowl if it was a semifinal game between the two and the six seed instead of the Rose Bowl between Ohio State and Oregon, let's say, and nobody cares about it, right? Because it doesn't go into the playoff. So I get that. But in terms of the rest of the season, college football is so unique and college football is so special and separates itself from the NBA, MLB, college basketball, and the NFL as well, even though they're the same sport, because every game is so important, right? There was a sense of urgency when the Badgers lost to BYU in week three, you knew how big of a gut punch that was. You knew what that loss meant. When the Packers lose in week three, who cares? R-E-L-A-X, man, relax. We got 14 more weeks, 15 more weeks, whatever it may be. A lot of time to write the ship, a lot of time to make adjustments and be playing your best football at the right time. College football, that doesn't exist. Just ask Ohio State. Every game matters. And when you expand the playoff, you take away that sense of urgency. Week in and week out, you tune into Ohio State, Maryland, because you know if Ohio State loses, their shot at getting into the playoff decreases exponentially, right? And that's the that's the draw for that game, Ohio State, Maryland, or Ohio State, Purdue. You knew that when Ohio State lost that game, that you knew you needed to tune into ESPN the next day. You needed to tune into Fox to hear what the pundits were saying about what does this mean gonna what is this gonna mean down the line, right? How is this gonna affect Ohio State in five weeks? Not just well, what happened in the game, right? Why did Ohio State lose and then what can they improve on? No, what did that mean for their national championship hopes and getting into the playoffs? Because that game means so much. They all mean so much. And when you expand the playoffs, you decrease that urgency and you decrease the importance of every single regular season game, which is why it would it would diminish the product 90% of the year. Yeah, the 10% at the end in the playoffs in December and January might be great, but the rest of the year... Now, all of a sudden, I don't care about Ohio State, Maryland, because I know as long as Ohio State takes care of business at the end of the year, 
gets into the Big Ten Championship and beats whatever scrub team, lesser team out of the West, then they'll be fine. Because they'll still make it in even if it's at a 5 seed, 6 seed, 7 seed, 8 seed, whatever. They'll get in. You take that away. If you expand, you take away that urgency. And all of a sudden I'm saying, I don't care if Ohio State lost to Maryland. It doesn't matter in the long run. As long as they come back next week and they rebound and they continue to play well, who cares? I hate it. And the UCF people are the worst. And if you're a UCF fan out there, that's one thing. Uh, I, I tune into shows all the time, whether it's Bill Ryder, who will be up in about 10 minutes here, or Bill Michaels, uh, Jim Rome in the afternoon, Dan Patrick, whoever I tune into, and I hear people say, UCF needs a shot. They've earned an opportunity to get in. I just, I shake my head, and it's frustrating. And, and I compared it on a podcast that I did last week. You can find that podcast on uh, Twitter, at Keystroker Grand. It's called Three Guys, One Pod. It's done with a couple of guys over at CBS News 8. Uh, we talk about sports and a whole lot of other things. The UCF people, and, and I liken them to the Bernie Sanders supporters. Now, look, <laughs> I'm not insulting your political views. That's not what I'm doing here. Uh, if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter and you like his policy and you like uh, you like the idea of a little bit more socialism in our government, that's absolutely fine. Uh, and I am not equipped to talk politics in any way. That is for Mitch Reynolds, the titan of talk, who is over on WIZM right now. What I will say is Bernie Sanders supporters, and more so people my age, they flex their Bernie Sanders support to show how how woke they are, for lack of a better term, right? They're like, look how look how out there I am. Look at how non-racist and non-sexist and non-classist and non-capitalist I am. I am so woke that I'm going to vote for that 80-year-old man who is a part of a political party that really doesn't even exist in our country, right? That's how woke I am. Go Bernie. I'm going to put the sticker on my car. Check out how woke I am. That's, that's what UCF is to college football. Look at how look at how understanding I am. Look at how pro small market teams I am, or not small markets, but small conference. It's just you, we, okay. We get it. You like to be different. You like to show how out there you are and how open you are and how cool you are with your sports takes. UCF hasn't beat anyone. In, UCF's won twenty five straight games. Okay, Kimberly won almost sixty straight games. Nobody was saying we should put Kimberly into the WIAC. No, that's apples and oranges. But still. That's how I think about UCF. And the expansion of the playoff would decrease urgency, and it would let teams in like UCF. Okay, let's be honest here. Outside of the top five or six teams, I think there's a drop-off, right? That's seven and eight team. I think it would be a bloodbath. I do. And if you want to argue that they deserve an opportunity, that's fine. That's one thing. But but to say that that it's not fair for them to not get into the playoffs, look, Ohio State, yeah, the Big Ten champ got left out. I don't give a damn. I'm a Big Ten fan. I want to see the Big Ten do as good as possible every year. Don't lose to Purdue. That's what college football is about. You have to be on your game each and every week, whether you're playing in Columbus or you're playing in, uh, what is it, West Lafayette in Purdue. You have to be on your game because every game means so much, and that's why college football is fun. Don't expand the playoff. No UCF shouldn't be in. Get that out there right now. That's my take. More Packers Bears talk coming tomorrow. We do got to preview the game on the most detailed level. We'll bring you the best analysis, right? And, and maybe get into some predictions and some thoughts as well about the upcoming matchup in Chicago on Sunday at noon. Same time, same place tomorrow. More of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Can't wait to talk then.